them. Don't forget, also, as already mentioned, but we'll double down on it. On the 22nd, we'll be having Brother Jonathan Alviar here. We're going to be having a lot of great speakers this year. We have Brother Urshan coming by. Uh, we have uh, David Puentes will be back. We know him well. Uh, Brother Claiborne will be here. We know them well. And we're going to just be ministering, uh, amen, as much as we can to all of you good folks. And then in June, uh, Brother Dwayne Uzzle will be here doing a kids revival, and then he's going to stay over this Sunday to preach. So we're excited about all these speakers, amen, and we have, amen, that's, that's just for the first half of the year. The second half of the year, we're going to have a tremendous lineup as well. You don't want to miss any of it, amen. It's going to be great. Some of these men preach all over uh, the United States and the world, so uh, if you don't know it, you're very privileged to hear some of them. Praise God, especially here in the comforts of your own home church. Somebody say praise God. Amen. All right, book of Mark chapter 14, and uh, I really struggled with this morning's sermon, and uh, thank you, uh, Brother Puller, and thank you, music team, because I felt like uh, confirmation, amen, just in our praise and worship, and uh, it, it made me feel a little bit better of, uh, about what I got to preach here today. So, let's get into it. Book of Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse number 66. Verse number 66, not a lot of chapters in the Bible have this many verses. We're reading about um, the night of Jesus's crucifixion. Amen. Let's talk about it. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, and thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not. Neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean. And thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear saying, I know not this man. Let's say that together. I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. It did not take, amen, I'll stop there. And I want to preach to you today on this subject the Jesus I never knew. The Jesus I never knew. Can we say that together? The Jesus I never knew. Father, we thank you for your blessings upon this service. We thank you for the confirmation of your word. I pray that for the next few moments you would allow me to speak with liberty. Lord, fill my mind with your thoughts and help me, God, to express those thoughts clearly, directly, mercifully. To your people, they're a precious people. They've been called by your name. They've been forgiven by your blood. I pray, Lord, today in the name of Jesus that you would grant us direction, wisdom, and understanding through your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And you may be seated. It didn't take long for the disciples to conclude that Jesus was not an ordinary man. This does not mean that Jesus was not human. It just means he was no ordinary man. Everything from conversations with strangers to raising money to pay taxes was done with an undeniable and miraculous wonder. Jesus was no ordinary man. Jesus' apostle Peter embraced the fact that there was more to Jesus than he could possibly ever know. In what is perhaps one of the most curious moments of Scripture, the Bible says in Matthew 16, 13 through 17, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I am? And they said, or some say, that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, 
or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter knew that Jesus was a man. Peter knew that Jesus was also much more than a man. Peter understood that there were some things about Jesus he did not understand. Peter did not know any man that could walk on water, feed thousands with just a few fishes and loaves, raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind, and awake people from coma and tell the lame to walk. Peter was certain that Jesus was human, but also more than human. The night Jesus was crucified, Peter assured Jesus that he would die to defend him, even if everyone else abandoned him. He would stand by his side and fight to the death. Jesus' response to Peter's pledge of allegiance, amen, was to tell him that he will deny him three times before the the rooster crows. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus spent an entire night being beaten, tortured, and interrogated while Peter looked and listened from a distance. Three times, three different people told Peter they recognized him and that he was one of Jesus' disciples, to which he responded, I do not know this man. On one hand, Peter was blatantly lying. Yet on another hand, Peter was telling the truth which extended beyond anything he could ever imagine. Peter knew Jesus, but Peter did not know Jesus. And I'm going to preach to you today about the Jesus you never knew. And for a few moments, I'm going to highlight on the, on the Jesus that Peter never knew. Amen. There was a lot about Jesus that Peter had seen. Peter had seen Jesus exercise incredible mercy and incredible compassion that was even beyond Peter's comprehension. In fact, there was more than one occasion when Peter tried to stop Jesus from having mercy and compassion. Amen. Peter knew that Jesus was a very kind and gentle man. But there was, amen, some sides to Jesus that Peter could never have understood clearly. Amen. Had he not been through some things. Peter did not know Jesus would allow people, people's love and loyalty to be tested to its breaking point. All Peter knew about Jesus was that he could do miracles, he had compassion, he was loving, he was kind, he was gentle. But now, amen, in this test where he's denying Jesus, amen, and saying he never knew him, he's finding out that Jesus will allow his love and his loyalty for him to be tested to the breaking point. Amen. I'm preaching to you today because I feel like there's a lot of people going through things that you never thought Jesus would let you go through. I'm preaching today to people who are shocked at some of the things that Jesus is allowing in your life. And I know that perhaps a lot of people came here expecting a message that would catalyst, that would be a catalyst to 2023, that would inspire us and make us shout. Amen. But when the church, amen, needs a little bit of understanding, it's pastor's job, amen, to give you a little bit of understanding. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of notes. I sat up last night and the day before and tried to type out this sermon as best I could. And uh, most of it I got just a few minutes before walking into church today. Praise the Lord. Amen. But that's not uncommon for me. That's when I know that God really wants to talk to the church. That's when I know that God really wants to say something. That's when I know that God, amen, really wants to move in the service and minister to some folks. Praise God. And so I want to preach to a few people just for a few moments that you're a little shocked that Jesus would allow you to reach the breaking point. Amen. Peter would later find out that this is actually commonplace for God. In 1 Peter 1 and 7, years later, he would write that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth through, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I came to let you know, amen, that your faith, amen, is more is the most precious thing that you possess. 
Amen. It was Peter who told us, your faith is more precious than gold. In other words, your faith is more precious, more important, of more value than the house you live in. Your faith is more precious and of more value than the car you drive. Your faith is more important, amen, more precious, amen, more significant than the clothes you wear. Your faith is the most important thing that you have. And you would think that if faith is so precious and so important, uh, amen, and so vital that God would do everything to protect it, to defend it, to keep it from being tampered with or touched. And it's just the opposite. Amen. He says your faith is more precious than gold. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's going to be tried. Amen. Not with rain. Praise God. But with fire. Hallelujah. Amen. It's going to be tried. Amen. Not with earthquakes and winds, but with fire. Amen. Hallelujah. And whenever you see the word fire in scripture. Amen. It is hinting at purification. Amen. We might have faith, but a lot of us has, has faith that's a little spotted, tainted, soiled, stained. Amen. And the way God gets the impurities out of your faith is he tries it with fire. Praise God. He puts it through the oven. He puts it in the flame. He puts it under pressure. He puts it in the heat. Praise God. Because when it is exposed to fire, praise God, all the impurities come out. Amen. Hallelujah. And what is left, uh, amen, is to the praise, the glory, and the honor of the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's no wonder that Jesus said that when he returns, the one thing he's going to be looking for is faith. Uh, he's not going to be looking for your car. Your car is staying here. He's not going to be looking for your clothes. The clothes are staying here. He's not looking for your house. The house will stay here. The only thing he's looking for is that faith. Uh, amen. And if you feel like your faith is being tested right now, praise God. If you feel like your faith is in the fire, praise God. It might be hard to lift your hands, but you better lift them. It may be hard to shout, thank you, Jesus, but you better say it. You may find it difficult, amen, to actually appreciate what God is doing. Amen. And I understand because we're temporal beings and we can't see it from the eternal perspective. Amen. But I promise you, good saint of God, that if you will just endure the flame, endure the fire. Amen. Hallelujah. What's going to come out of it? Amen. Hallelujah. Will be precious faith. Amen. That will give God praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Amen. Your faith is precious. And your faith, amen, you know, uh, our faith has to, has to broaden. Our faith has to broaden. And our faith has to deepen. Uh, I'm going to say this. Often we have faith uh, for some things and not other things. And, and Jesus wants your faith to spread out. Jesus wants you to have faith that you're going to get a new job. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get a new job, amen, because he loves you. You're going to get a new job because he loves your family. You're going to get a new job because he knows that you have to provide. You're going to get, you're, you're going to have what you need to provide because this is what God wants for you. It's getting really quiet on me. Praise God. Yeah. Jesus wants you to have faith that he's going to save your husband and your wife. Don't get quiet on me now. Praise God. I said, Jesus wants you to have faith that he's going to save your husband and your wife. Amen. Because it is the will of God that you and your spouse sit in these chairs together. Amen. Hallelujah. It is the will of God that you have faith for God to be able to save your entire household. Amen. Hallelujah. You need to have some Cornelius faith that just says God could save my whole house. God could. Amen. It's time we stop putting faith in our Uncle Richard's stubbornness and in our Aunt Kathy's Catholicism and saying, you know, I don't know that they'll ever change. They've been that way for such a long time. It's time we stop putting faith in Uncle Dan's drug addiction and in Sister Susie's suicide issue. Amen. We need to start having faith. Amen. Hallelujah. That God can save our families, our drunk cousins, our drug addicted aunts, our suicidal nephew and cousin. We need to start having faith that God could save save and deliver our stubborn husband. Uh, amen. Hallelujah. Our argumentative wife. Praise God. This is faith. Praise God. I got faith for the job. Uh, I got faith for the people under my roof. 
Uh, I got faith for the people, amen, who have my last name. I got a lot of faith. Uh, I got faith for everyone. Come on, somebody. Oh, praise God. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. You need to have faith for your health issues. That does not mean stop taking your medicine. That does not mean you don't go to the doctor. That means that through it all, whether you're taking a pill or in the doctor's office, praise God, you are praying the whole way through. Oh, yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I remember if she doesn't mind me sharing it, but just a year ago, Sister Gloria was diagnosed with cancer. But she had faith through the chemotherapy, faith through the whole situation. You got to have faith. You got... Hey, faith doesn't stop when the chemo starts. Hey, faith doesn't stop when the dialysis starts. Faith doesn't stop, amen, where the pill starts. Faith doesn't stop, praise God. Where oh, somebody give God some praise. Somebody give God some praise. Somebody give. Oh, worship him. Faith doesn't stop. Amen. When the surgery starts. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If they're going to put you to sleep, you better have faith before you knock out. Praise God. And you better have some faith when you wake up. Praise God. And you better have faith that God's going to touch the doctor, touch the surgeon, touch. You better have faith that God's going to give you the right doctor, the right surgeon, the right hospital. Just You just have faith through the whole thing. Praise God. And have faith that you're going to have a speedy recovery. And have faith that he might heal you in the middle of it. And have faith that they might cut you open and find nothing where there used to be something. Praise God. But have faith, good saint of God. Have faith because it's what Jesus is looking for. Have good and precious faith. Hallelujah. Oh, give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We don't sing it here, praise God. And it's not for any particular reason. It's just, it's kind of an old song, praise God. But the old timers used to sing a song that said, faith, faith, faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. Amen. Do not pray, God. Amen. Make my faith bigger. Amen. You're not even using the little bit of faith you got. Amen. You don't need more faith. You need to use the faith you have. Praise God. Somebody said, well, I don't know. I have faith. If you made plans for tomorrow, you got faith. If you assume you're waking up tomorrow, then you got some real faith. If you're assuming you're going to have a job tomorrow, you got faith. Just transfer that confidence over to God. Praise God. I said just transfer that Oh, somebody give God some praise right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We got to have faith for our finances. You have to have faith for your finances. Amen. Listen. I'm just going to say this nicely uh, because nobody is, is bettered by, by harsh preaching. Amen. But I'm, I'm just going to say this nicely. Praise God. You, you, don't let the devil talk you out of tithing. Don't let the devil talk you out of tithing and offering. Praise God. Because what he's really doing uh, is talking you out of a, a step of faith. It takes faith. Uh, and I'll be the first to tell you, it takes faith to tithe. And it takes faith to give an offering. Praise the Lord. Amen. But you, you, need, to, you need to allow yourself to be a little more rational. Uh, because here's the facts. Taking 10% of your income and returning it to God is not going to tank your house. It, and if it does, trust me, you got, you got big problems. Amen. But you should, you should really, and we've done it. My wife will tell you we've done it. In fact, we still do it right now. We do it every month. We look at how much money did we spend eating out. Nobody want to hear that. I'm just telling you, your tithe might be right there. And God forbid it's in Starbucks. And we, we, we've talked about that this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you. Amen. It, it's, it's a sad day when the numbers add up of all the food you ate out. And that's your tithe right there. Praise God. And some of you are not adding up those numbers because you don't want to look at those numbers. You don't. You, it hurts to, to look at those numbers and say, you know what? I'm just not exercising any faith in my finances. Amen. Do you know that the word faith? 
Faith is in the word finances, praise God. Phi means faith, praise God. You need to have faith. The dollar itself is telling you, amen, to trust in God, praise God. You're doing the opposite the dollar is telling you to do, praise God. Put your trust in God, saint of God. Put your... Oh, give God praise, hallelujah. Yes, come on, magnify Jesus. You're, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you to give God your tithe back. You're spreading out your faith. You're putting it on the family. You're putting it on your health. You're putting it on your finances. And guess what? When your faith gets on that stuff, amen, God starts blessing that stuff. God starts touching that stuff. God starts favoring. Hey, but let me give you a little PSA. When you exercise faith over your family, over your finances, over your health, it will be tried with fire. It will be tried with fire. Somebody today is going to say, you know what? Pastor was cool about the tithing thing. I'm going to tithe. And guess what? You're going to go broke really quick. Oh, God, quiet on me now. Somebody said, I'm just not going to tithe then. Praise God. Well, you're broke already. Praise God. When you, when you start putting faith, when you start applying your faith over your finances, your finances will be tried yeah. with fire. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the devil is going to try to spook you and God's not going to stop him. Amen. God's not going to stop him because God wants you to have a confidence in what he could do with your money. Praise God. Even when it looks like your money's being snatched out of your hands. Praise God. God, you're going to start praying for your, for your family members and they are going to get worse. You're going to start praying for your cousin. He's going to get worse. You're going to start praying for your husband. He's going to get more stubborn. You're going to start praying for your wife. She's going to argue with you more. You're going to start praying for your kids. They're going to give you more trouble. Praise God. Amen. But just endure the test. Endure the flame. Endure the fire. I'm talking about the Jesus you never knew. I know. I know. I know you want to. I know. We all know nice Jesus. We all know loving Jesus. We all know the sandaled man from Galilee that preaches on the mountaintops to forgive and love. And, amen and reconcile but do you know the Jesus that will allow you to be tested until you feel like you're going to lose your mind uh, and then all of a sudden uh, amen at midnight he starts walking into your bedroom and all of a sudden you feel while you're driving in the car I'm stepping into a new season do you know the Jesus uh, that will allow you to be tested until you feel like you're at your wits end uh, and all of a sudden uh, there's a check in the mail there's a job advancement amen how do you get back come on somebody give God some praise right now. I feel the Holy Ghost talking. I'm talking about the Jesus you never knew. Hallelujah. That's right. Peter found himself in a compromised situation. And he said, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know this Jesus. I don't know this Jesus that would allow me to feel like I, like I wish I never knew him. I don't know this Jesus. Oh, but years later, he'd say, I know this Jesus, and I love this Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to preach to you out of 1 Peter because I'm going to talk to you about some things Peter found out. Amen. About this Jesus. Amen. Peter never knew that Jesus would allow people who he knew would deny him three times to spend every waking moment with him for three years. When Jesus told Peter, you'll, 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 you'll deny me three times. It's because he knew something about Peter's character that had always been there. It had always been there. It wasn't something new. Jesus was just telling Peter, I know where you're at. I know your weak spots. But in 1 Peter 4 and 18 through 19, Peter says, And if the righteous scarcely be saved. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Amen. Number one, Peter lets us know the righteous or the saved are scarcely saved. I'm just letting you know. I know some of us wear the saved garbs really good. 
I know some of us got the save mask really good. I know some of us got the, the hallelujahs down and the peanut brit on the back pocket. Amen. And we're just, we, we play saved really good. Praise God. Amen. But I'm here to let you know that being saved and staying saved is a test. It's a test. Uh, you know, years ago, I didn't, uh, of course, I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it, but uh, years ago, there was a book written, one of the most well-published and, and bought books in American history, Pilgrim's Progress. And it just tells the story of a pilgrim. Amen. And it's, it's, in, it's, it's, it's an allegory of, of the Christian walk. And, he, and he's just trying to get to heaven. Praise God. And through the journey, there's just all kinds of trials and tests. And each one of them works him over. Each one of them, he just barely passes. Hey, I know, I know, I know that, you know, I know it doesn't make anybody want to stand up and stick their chest out, but the reality is there's just a lot of trials. There's a lot of tests that if you were to be honest, you just barely made it. You just barely made it. Oh, come on, somebody. I say you just barely made it. You just barely made it. But Peter goes on to say, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing. In other words, he's saying, you got to just trust God that you're going to be saved, that he's going to keep you saved. But just keep doing good. Just keep. You know, Jesus was walking with Peter and all of a sudden people started falling off. And Jesus said, Peter, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but nobody showed up to church this morning. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, will you be absent also? But it was in this moment where Peter committed the keeping of his soul to Jesus. He said, where would I go? You have the words to eternal life. In other words, he's saying, the crowd's going to thin out. I'm right here. And I'm right here because I realize, amen, that the sinner's, the sinner's not even saved. And the ungodly are going to hell. And, and I'm, I'm here because I'm picking up on the fact that you're the only one that can save my soul. And even when he denied Jesus, after walking with him for three years, after being him with all that time, and cussing and cursing and saying, I don't know him. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says when the cock crows the third time he turned aside and he wept bitterly he was able to do the right thing having done the wrong thing and you know who he was weeping to he wasn't just crying on the wall he wasn't just crying out to the thin air he was weeping to his creator and to his God asking Hey, Judas never wept. Amen. Hallelujah. A lot of the disciples never wept. The people that left Jesus never wept. But when Peter realized what he had done, he wept. I feel sorry for saints of God that can't weep. I feel sorry for dry-eyed saints. Amen. Saint of God, don't you ever, don't you ever lose the ability to cry about the person you've been. Don't you ever lose the ability to weep. Amen. Over the... Oh, come on, somebody. Who's going to help me preach this morning? Amen. You know, I know, I know that some people uh, don't, don't, don't cry a lot, uh, and I understand that. And I know that some people cry a lot, but, but I'm, not, I'm not preaching to those who cry a lot or not a lot. But they're, they're, it, it never fails, and every church has them. There will be a small cluster of people that just do not cry. They do not weep. Uh, some will even go as far as talking about that they don't think it's, it's all in the crying and that Pentecost is too emotional and, and, and that the pastor is just trying to stir people up. Let me just tell you something. I mean, they, you, you better be able to weep. You better be able to show that you have remorse, that you feel guilt, amen, that you feel sorrow, that you feel repentance. Praise God that you feel, amen, hallelujah, that God is the most precious and important thing in your life and that you could not live without him. Praise God. I'm just, I'm warning somebody. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know if they're here or they're out there on internet land, but I'm telling somebody. The Bible says he that being often reproved, amen, hallelujah, will be broken with a breaking that has no remedy. Praise God. When you just make it up in your mind, I'm going to stay in the church and I'm going to be stiff and starchy and stiff necked and I'm just not going to, I'm not going to express any emotion. I'm not going to open up. I'm not going to lift these hands. I'm just, I'm not going to repent about anything. I think everybody else needs to 
repent. I think everybody else is too emotional. I, I'm just telling you, there's a breaking on the way. Amen. And it's going to have no remedy. Saint of God, it's better that you fall on the rock than the rock fall on you. I'm just letting you know, it's better that you... This is not part of the notes. Praise God. I'm just telling you, don't let anybody who's hurt you in church, even your parents. I'm going to tell you the truth. There are some situations in life that will have you crying so bad that you'll actually stop crying. The loss of a spouse, a child, health. You know, there's some people, I, I understand, they don't cry because they, it, they're tired of crying. They're actually tired of it. It's not that they're stubborn. It's not that they're stiff. It's, they're, they're tired. They're tired of crying. They cried at the funeral, and, and, and nobody knows how many nights they cried before the funeral. They cried and asked God to do something, and God never did it. Prayed, 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 and the limb still got cut off, and the parents still died, and the child still got the diagnosis, and so they're done crying. They're done crying. I, I like the way there's a, there's a verse in the book of Job where Job talks about his sorrows. And this is, this is in Spanish. He, he, says, he says, I've been left sin sabor. In other words, he says, I've been left without taste in my mouth. I, I can't, I'm, I'm, there's no, I can't taste any flavors. In other words, I'm not bitter. I'm not sweet. I'm nothing. I've just, I've lost that much. I've lost that much. I came to talk to you for just a minute. Lost that much. Don't let all your losses keep you from drawing close to God. Don't let all your losses keep you from opening up one more time. Don't let all your losses, amen, make you feel like a ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't let all your go, don't don't let all your losses make you feel like you died but your body hasn't got the news yet. Praise God. Don't let don't let all your losses make you spiral downward into holes of depression and and despair. Praise God. I'm telling you, you only have one hope in those depths. It's Jesus. And I know you never thought Jesus would let you get down there. But guess what? There's a reason the, the writer called them the lily of the valley. Praise God. Amen. Because there's just times they're walking through dead, dry, amen, valleys. Praise God. But the writer said, oh, I found a lily in the valley. Praise God. The writer said, I found a root growing out of the dry ground. Praise God. That's talking about Jesus. I'm telling you, there's a Jesus post-funeral. There's a Jesus post-surgery. There's a Jesus post traumatic event. There's a Jesus post-car accident, post-bankruptcy, post-cancer. Po Come on, I'm telling you, there's a Jesus, amen, that's waiting on you to lift your hands one more time. There's a Jesus post-abuse, post-molestation, post-rape, post-jail time, post- Come on, somebody. There's a Jesus post-divorce. There's a Jesus... Come on. There's a Jesus... Come on. Don't be like Peter and say, I don't know this man. Amen. I know you may not think that he would ever allow this, uh, but here you are. But can I tell you, amen, that there's something else he allows. Uh, amen. He allows grace. Uh, he allows mercy. He allows love. He allows kindness. Uh, he allows, amen, for you to be put back together. Amen. When all the pieces seem so shattered. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Brother Rivera, God gave Ezekiel a vision. And he was in a valley full of dry, dead bones. And the Lord snuck up on Ezekiel. He said, you think these bones can live? Ezekiel was smart. He said, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. You know. You know, because I've tried talking to my husband. And I still found phone numbers in his pocket. You know. You know. Because I prayed for six months and they still died. You know. 
I, and you know what? God started bringing back all those bones. He started bringing back. He told Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, all I want you to do is prophesy. All I want you to do is have a little bit of faith that I can put bone together to his bone. Hey, listen, that was a valley full of bones. The, normally bones are underground, not on top of ground. Because when bones are underground, it means that they had a proper burial. But when they're above ground, it means that there was some sort of tragedy, some sort of chaos, and dead bodies were left everywhere. I'm sorry for sounding so morbid. Amen. But I want you to get this picture in your mind. Amen. When there are bones on top of the ground and not properly buried, it's because something chaotic and warlike has taken place, Brother Jeff. And, 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 and this is exactly what was going on. And so God asked Ezekiel, you think I could bring this all together? You think I could do something post-chaos, post-trauma, post... And Ezekiel, he said, he said, Ezekiel, I'm not getting the answer I want out of you. So just prophesy to the wind, son of God, son of man, just prophesy to the wind. And Ezekiel says, he said, wind come from all four directions. And the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord moved on those dry bones and listens to what it says next. And it brought together bone to his bone. Amen. That means that hand bone that was way over there found its way to that pinky bone that was way over there. No man could have ever known that that little bone belong to that little bone over there but there was a God that knew amen I could do that I got the details taken care of uh, amen I just want you to tell me to do it I just want you to talk to me and tell come on some well, I don't know how you're going to help me pay this bill on the 15th when I get paid on the 30th. And I don't understand, amen, hallelujah, how you're going to help me to make it to work at 8 o'clock. Amen, when I got to drop off the kid at 730, I don't understand how you're going to, I'm preaching to somebody right now. I don't understand how you're going to help me, amen, hallelujah, to talk to him without him talking to her. Praise God, and it turning into a family explosion. Hey, I'm talking to, I'm talking to a group of people whose God is the God that can connect little bone to little bone. Amen. Hallelujah. That are totally. Come on, somebody. He got the details worked out. He got. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? There are there is a set of trials going on in your life right now. That the devil's been telling you you're going through this because you're a bad person. I'm confident. I feel this. I'm telling everybody here. I know you're not perfect. You know you're not perfect. You're not perfect. Pastor's not perfect. But we're not talking about that. I am here to tell everybody here under the sound of my voice. I can't speak for internet land. I can only talk to people here. I'm here to let you know that all of y'all are going through what you're going through because you're serving God. Not not because you're not serving God, but because you're serving God. You are suffering, and somebody said, well, I'm not serving him too great. You're right, you're not. You're not not serving him so great. And and somebody said, well, I'm not where I want to be. You're right, you're not where you want to be. Praise God. But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about the fact that you're actually in the house of God. You have the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized. And the devil don't like that. I said, and hell don't like that. And hell... and. Can I tell you, you would not have this trial if you were in the bar. You would not have this trial if you were on the block. You would not have this trial if you were just a good union worker making some good money. You would not have this trial. You would not have this trial, amen, hallelujah, if you were just going about your life, amen, amen, making good investments in stocks and bonds. No, 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 no. The fire you're experiencing right now is because you are living for God. I know you're not living for God how you want to, amen, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the fact that you are living for God, amen. You might be a two when you should be a ten. You might be a five when you should be a seven. Whatever the case may be, put that out of your mind right now and just realize I'm suffering what I'm I'm suffering because I'm living for God. And if this suffrage comes because I'm living for God, then my deliverance will come from God. And God, and I'm committing the keeping of my soul. Hey, listen to me. I'm committing the keeping of my soul to God. You have got to get to the point where you tell, where you, you have absolute trust that no matter 
Praise God. Come on. Some of us are making the trial worse by trying to keep things we're not supposed to be fighting for. Come on, somebody help me preach. My iPad's running out of batteries right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Peter didn't know the Jesus. Peter did not know the Jesus who would call someone his disciple that could listen to him yell in agony while he listened to them curse, cuss, and say they never knew him. Peter didn't know that Jesus. In fact, I'm sure Peter was certain he's going to abandon me. But in 2 Peter 1, 4 through 11, he says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity or love. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. I'm going to read that again. You shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't have time to go into all of this, but Peter... When he got enough time and space between the day he denied Jesus and he wrote these words, he realized, I lacked a lot of things. I lacked patience. I lacked brother. Peter was always throwing folks under the bus. I'm not talking about random folks. I'm talking about his folk. He told Jesus, you know, if everyone else... He's saying this in front of the disciples. You know, if everyone else denies you, I won't. He was always dry snitching on everybody. He was just always making folks look bad. But what he didn't realize, making folks look bad, inhibits your ability to look. He liked patience. He liked liked virtue. He liked knowledge. He was in privation. And as we talked about on Wednesday night, privation is the forerunner to evil acts. That's why the hood is so bad. Because everybody everybody has privation. Deprivation leads to degradation. When you start having stuff, you're not... when When you don't have things you're supposed to have, you commit acts of evil. Doesn't matter how cute you look in a bun, a skirt, and doesn't matter, doesn't matter how much how educated you are, doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you live in the hoods or 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 in a mansion. When you do not have what God intended for you to have, you will commit acts of evil. Now, pastors have found all kinds of flowery ways to tell good, nice people that they're not doing evil things. Because good, nice people don't want to be told they're doing evil. And so we'll say things like, you're not in the will of God. You need to focus. Let us pray. Don't worry. We all all have our slip-ups. You know, when I sin, I don't tell God, Lord, forgive me for all my mistakes. Uh, quite the opposite. I tell God, forgive me that I did everything I knew I wasn't supposed to. I didn't fall into sin. It wasn't some, it wasn't a mistake. Forgive me for what I did intentionally, deliberately. Forgive me for the things I made provision for. 
Because you, you all know better than I do, before the yelling starts, there's a little, there's a little voice that'll whisper, keep your voice down. Time to go for a walk. Don't break that dish. Go back to your bed now. We got couch, we got some couch dwellers out there for you. Those are all signs of, of lacking. And Peter said, if you lack all these things, it's not going to go well. He said, but if you have these things, you shall never fall. And he goes on and he says, and he says, guess what? If you have these things, what's going to happen is there's going to be, there's going to be an escape route made for you that goes straight to heaven. It goes straight to heaven. And so I'm telling you, good saint, you may think this is, this may be the Jesus you never knew. The Jesus that parachutes you in to a, to a lava lake. <laughs> hey, if nobody's ever told you this, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Before we got here, this place was just a den of devils. Where do you think God put all the fallen angels? Nothing existed prior to the fall of Satan. And when Satan and his minions fell, God had to put them somewhere. And so he put them on this dark, black blob, formless and void. In fact, the word formless means desert. And I don't even have time to go through all the verses that talks about Satan in the desert. In fact, when Jesus wanted to be tempted of Satan, he went to the desert. This place was just full of devils. And God says, I think I'll make a garden right there. In the middle of the chaos. And then I'm going to parachute these two little humans in there. And see how well they do. You are in a war. You are in a war. And I know it's hard to see that. Because we got beautiful vacation spots in Hawaii. And, and Tahiti and wherever. And praise God in Alameda. Alameda is a beautiful city. Visit Alameda. But yeah, this beneath it all, beneath the surface, the unseen world. There's a lot of devils back there. Hey, Hawaii got hoods. <laughs> Praise God. I, I've been to Hawaii. There's some place you don't there's some streets you don't go down to Hawaii. Paradise got hoods. I'm telling you, there's sinister, evil spirits. And if you don't believe in none of that, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. Praise God. I feel sorry for you. But I want you to know that as you walk through the darkness, there's stuff you have to add. There's stuff you have to add. I, I was talking to my mother-in-law the other day, and I'm closing with this. I was talking to my mother-in-law the other day, and I told her, I said, you know, most people underestimate how much praying it takes to make it. You know, there's like praying, and as I, I, I don't have time to get into y'all are apostolics. There's praying, and then there's getting a hold of God. Wow. Yes. I'm going to tell you something. Sister Cindy, there's times we get a hold of God, and the only thing we accomplish there is to hear his voice. Right. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. We'll hear his voice, Sister Cindy. But do you know how many times I've got a hold of God, Brother Fuller? I heard his voice. And my inner man said, no. Right. Yeah. And so now I've got to come back the next day and get a hold of him again. Yeah. Just to do what he told me. Yeah. Yeah. He told me what to do, but I wasn't happy with it on Monday. So I came back on Tuesday. Jesus. My ribs hurt because I prayed so hard on Monday. And my soul is aching because God, if you know God, you know you don't ask him for a B. 
We're talking, God doesn't like miscalculate. So whatever he tells you, it's already been calculated, tabulated, perfectly thought out. It's the only way. It's the only way. He doesn't need your, he doesn't need you to better it, improve it, upgrade it. And sometimes, Brother Jeff, it takes a long time just to hear what he has to say. And then, and then you, and then you find out now I got to get to the point where I'm willing to do what he said. Tell me, I feel the Holy Ghost here, yes. Yes. and I'm I'm preaching to some good people. Yes. I'm preaching to some people, however, that don't know this Jesus, that don't know this Jesus. Because guess what, Sister Kendra, I've been there where I hear the voice and I don't come back the next day because I don't want to hear it again, yeah. and I don't want to do what it says. Yeah. Yeah. And the trial gets longer yeah. and longer. And what should have only been a few days now lasts a few weeks. Right. It, it just happened to me the other day. I'm telling you, I came home. I was all, I had already heard from God knew, and let my kids play. Went upstairs, laid on my bed, just wept. Said God, I'm going to do what you tell me. I'm going to do what you tell me. I'm not always happy with what you tell me, but I'm going to do what you tell me. You know what we're going to do here? I'm done preaching, I promise. I felt the Holy Ghost tell me to stop. But we're going to just take a few seconds before the musicians come. And we're going to pray. And we're just going to ask God. We're going to tell God, I'm going to do what you tell me. Because I, I, I can almost tell you who you are. There's a person walking around this, this building right now that in your heart, you know when he told you to do it. You know the day, the time, the event, the moment. And you've not said yes. And so your, your road is now full of speed bumps. And you want to get ahead, but you can't. And your spouse is saying, what is going on? And you, you know what's going on. And there's stuff happening, and you actually know what it is, but you're staying quiet about it. And it, the situation has so many, so many moving parts to it, and yet you know. You know. It's because I will not do what he told me. Hey, God's patient. He'll wait for you a long time, won't he, Brother Robert? He'll wait for you a long time. He'll wait for you a long time. Man, if, if I were to be transparent with you, I'd tell you, I feel the mercy of God. God's not mad at us today. God, God just wants you to say, I'll say yes, Lord. Yes. I'm not going to ask you to help me to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm not asking for help. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not asking you to talk to me a second time or a third time. I know thy will, O Lord. And I will say yes to your will and your way. I will trust you and obey. Let us lift our hands right now. And just say a yes to the Lord as the musicians come. Lord, forgive us that we've delayed our obedience. Lord, we know that what's going on in our homes, in our lives, has to do with us just saying yes. <laughs> Oh, gee, eh, kaya todo bose. Eh, ta da 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 da. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost walking through this sanctuary right now. I'm telling you. Oh, yo todo do 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 bose te de bese. I'm going to go home today, God. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to settle this. 
I'm praying right now, Jesus. But as soon as I go home, I'm going in my room. And I'm going to pray again. And the only thing you're going to hear from me is yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. I didn't know this side of you, Lord, but I know it now. And I say yes. I say yes to this side of our relationship, to this side of my salvation. I say yes, Lord. Oh. There's a spirit of prayer in here right now. There's a sweet surrender here right now. I'm already so broken, Pastor. Oh, saint of God, break some more. For the Lord is nigh them that are broken and of a contrite heart. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, if you'd like to come to the front to pray, amen, hallelujah. Amen, you're welcome to come. If you want to pray right where you're at, just pray where you're at. Oh, Jesus. Oh, musicians, help us.
before we're dismissed. I think it'd be a good idea if we just slipped our hands in the air right now. I feel like the windows of heaven are open over this service. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let your salvation pour out. Lord, let your mercy and your grace pour out. Lord, I pray, God, that you would touch hearts made of stone and make them hearts made of flesh. And I pray that people who we thought could never be saved would get saved. And I pray, Lord, that finances we never thought would be available would make themselves available. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that bones would be healed, tendons and ligaments would be healed. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that tendons and vital organs would be healed. I pray that backs would be healed. I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus for divine healing. In Jesus' name, I feel the Holy Ghost. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. For your family, for your finances. I pray for your health. I pray that you prosper, even as your soul does prosper. In the name of Jesus. In the So give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, there's a wonderful glory of the Lord in this house. In Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus. Hey, I tell you, I feel this in the Holy Ghost, and I know this might sound funny, but I'm telling you, God's going to heal somebody's intestinal tract right now. I keep hearing it right now in the Holy Ghost. I, I keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. The Holy Ghost is telling me to tell somebody that their intestinal tract is about to be healed right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the small intestine, the large intestine. I pray for your entire intestinal tract. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for healing right now. It's happening. I'm telling you. name. Somebody shout yes, Lord. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.